It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, the most listened to internet radio show in the nonprofit sector, dedicated to helping your charity succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern day fundraising success, and practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect landing point to learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. Guests on The Nonprofit Coach are leaders in their field who share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you and your organization move to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Click on Radio. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And this is Ted Hart. Welcome to this latest edition of The Nonprofit Coach. I'm coming to you live from the global headquarters of the CAF America organization. You can find us at CAFAmerica.org. We've got a big show for you today, particularly those of you who are interested in raising money successfully. We have an expert for you today. Philip King is going to help you understand how you can do a better job online and on mobile. Uh, Before that, we've got uh, big page one updates for you today. As the announcer said, you can call in to ask questions of our page two expert at 347-324-3080. You can join us over in the chat room. You can ask questions there. I do see people over in the chat room uh, right now, folks. You can ask questions there, or you can email me your questions at tedhart at tedhart.com. As always here on the Nonprofit Coach, we start with page one news. First up here on Page One News, and as always, you can join us uh, with Page One News by following along in the radio links at tedhart.com. Click on radio. You'll not only find the radio links for today, but the very best in links for nonprofit organizations going back to 2011. So all the archives are there and available today. You will find from HubSpot 
how to create the perfect LinkedIn company page. This is extremely important. So we've shared with you in the six pillars of success for online organizations. Uh, LinkedIn is extremely important whether you're creating a new LinkedIn company page, company meaning your nonprofit organization, or revamping an existing one. The guide here from HubSpot is going to be invaluable to helping you reach the potential of LinkedIn for your organization. Uh, and as we have shared with you on the uh, nonprofit coach here, LinkedIn is the third most important thing that you can do to succeed online. The first is a well-designed website and mobile service for your organization filled with unique content and the ability for people to give online. Number two, being a strong guide star strategy. And number three, being a, a strong LinkedIn strategy. Find that over in the radio links today. While you're there, you're also going to find some uh, very interesting, these are just uh, file these under fun facts, uh, fun facts from YouTube. It's uh, quite interesting to find that in one minute, it takes you uh, to read a text. 100 hours of video will be uploaded to YouTube. That's 250 days of viewing video every hour, 16.4 years of video every day, and 16 millennia of video are uploaded to YouTube every year. Uh, you can read all about that and also look at the 40 most viral YouTube videos of the past year at the link over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Uh, next up uh, is uh, very apropos to our page two expert today, uh, and that is a study that is shared uh, from the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Uh, this is uh, stating that most charities fail at online fundraising basics. 84% of nonprofits, including many of the nation's largest charities, have not yet made their donation websites easy to read on mobile devices, one of several flaws that can cost them significant contributions, according to experts who have studied 150 charities and other organizations. Uh, included in this study are 100 of the Chronicle Philanthropy's top 400. They also fail. 37% of organizations send no email within 30 days after visitors sign up to receive them. 56% of organizations did not ask for a donation within 90 days of people signing up. 79% did not personalize email appeals for a supporter's first or last name. And 65% of their websites require visitors to click through three pages or more to give online. Well, you're going to learn uh, how to turn your organization to success and not be part of these statistics today with our page two expert. Uh, next up, it is uh, that time of the month for us to get an update from CFRE. The CFRE Minute is here, and we have Ava Aldrich here live from CFRE. How's everything going over at CFRE, Ava? Just great, Ted. It's been a really good start to the year. We have a new uh, participating organization, the Japan Fundraising Association, and we're very excited that after launching the global exam in 2013 that we really are seeing global interest in the credential. Well, this is so important, and as you know, here at the Nonprofit Coach, we're very supportive of fundraising professionals standing with their peers to be examined. Uh, and to receive the uh, designation of CFRE. That certainly builds trust. Uh, it also helps make sure that there is a baseline of knowledge for fundraisers. What else is new at CFRE? Well, we are getting ready for conference season. Just got back from the Fundraising Institute of Australia conference. Had a marvelous event in Melbourne with a lot of really um, great sessions. So kudos to them. 
Uh, and FIA then is our, always a really terrific and well-run conference. It really is. So very exciting to see everything they're doing there. Um, and we're going to be at the Association of Fundraising Professionals International Conference in San Antonio later this month. And I'd just like to invite everyone to stop by the exhibit hall where we'll have a booth. And also, um, if they want to learn more about how to become a CFRE, we're going to be having a presentation um, on that topic in the Learning Lab, number one in the exhibit hall, on Monday, March 28th at 8.30 in the morning. So a great way to start off the day. That is terrific. I'm sorry that I will not be able to join you at the International Conference uh, this year. Of course, it is one of the highlights of the conference uh, season, so we encourage everyone to go to afpnet.org and register to attend this year's conference in San Antonio. So pleased the CFREs uh, going to be there. Because I, I think, as you've mentioned in, in prior CFRE minutes here on the Nonprofit Coach, that ability to personally interact with someone and ask questions about uh, how do I become certified, all the details of that, um, it really does help people sort of get off the fence. It really does, and I think it's a, one of the, the things that we've done that's helped us to achieve and exceed our goals for uh, new applicants for CFRE. Uh, in 2013, we're very happy that, that we got 11% more initial applications than what we uh, had set a goal for, and I think it really does go to people who want the qualification. They want to set themselves apart, um, and so we're happy to give them the information so they can learn more. That's terrific. Where else will uh, people be able to find you? Uh, later this month, we will also be at the German Fundraising Congress in Berlin, and we'll follow that up with the Fundraising Institute of New Zealand. Oh, that's terrific. When, when are you in Berlin? Uh, it's going to be the first week in April first week of April. Well, that's great. Well, that's um, uh, those are important conferences. We encourage everyone who listens uh, to track your progress and your um, ability to become certified. We believe that all professional fundraisers should hold the CFRE uh, designation. And uh, Ava, as always, great to have you here on the Nonprofit Coach. We'll uh, catch back with you next month. Sounds wonderful, Ted. Thanks so much. Take care. Uh, that's Ava Aldrich from CFRE. You can find her and the information on how you can be certified at CFRE.org. Uh, next up here on Nonprofit Coach, you can follow along in the radio links over at TedHart.com. Uh, coming to us from the U.K., The Guardian is sharing with us uh, the uh, uh, app Spotify uh, has uh, issued a new app called Guilty Pledgers, uh, and they raise money for charities uh, from Cheesy Tunes. Uh, so the Jukebox app, Guilty Pledgers, um, takes donations for 13,000 charities in return for adding Guilty Pleasure picks to their party playlist. So another uh, very imaginative way. Uh, to raise money for charities, and Bank of America is donating $1 to HIV AIDS charity Red for each of more than 3 million downloads during their 36-hour uh, promotion. You can learn more about that uh, over at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Last thing we've got uh, for you here in page one news is just to uh, remind you, if you don't already have it on your calendar, that uh, today, March 4th, uh, is National Pancake Day. Well, National Pancake Day is an opportunity uh, for you to get a free stack of pancakes uh, at any one of 1,500 IHOP locations around the country. Uh, but more importantly, 
they are taking voluntary donations for the charities, uh, the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, and among other charities. You can find out information over in the radio links on how you can uh, make sure that uh, you can get your free stack of pancakes. Uh, guests who donate will also receive a bonus gift for participating, a $5 off coupon for their next visit. Uh, and the Children's Miracle Network is reporting that 100% of the proceeds will be donated to local charities. So uh, if you haven't already decided uh, that you're going to go get some pancakes today, why don't you consider it's a good day to do that and help out charity. With that, it's time for us to get on over to page two. Philip King is a good friend of the Nonprofit Coach Show. Uh, he is a global expert in online and mobile fundraising. Uh, he has uh, been involved with fundraising in the Internet for a very long time. He was the first ever vice president of eBusiness for the United Way of Greater Toronto, one of the largest United Ways in North America. Uh, he also built uh, the team for at United Way at Work. He became president and CEO of Artez Interactive and served there for more than a decade. Today, he's vice president of mobile and business development at Sheeds, a cornerstone company where he is focused on rapid changes in mobile uh, creations uh, for fundraisers and helping fundraisers uh, succeed with their nonprofit organizations and a wide range of organizations around the globe, from the U.S. to Canada to Australia. Uh, welcome back here to the nonprofit coach, Philip King. Well, Philip, it would help if I turned on your microphone. Uh, one second. There you go, Philip. You're with us. Thanks, Ted. Sorry I'm sitting here thinking Look. about pancakes. Yeah, te- technical glitch there. Yeah, we are thinking about uh, getting those pancakes and helping charity. So we've got a big, big topic uh, today. Over in the radio links, we're sharing uh, the PowerPoint that you were um, uh, very kind to send along. But before we get into this important topic, fill in the blanks and help people understand a little bit more about Cornerstone and what Philip King is doing today. Well, thanks, Ted. The the uh, you know the the article you started off with um, is perfect, and I think we'll get into that in the discussion. Let me tell you a little bit more about well, you you said lots about me about Cornerstone. Cornerstone is a company in Canada that most Canadian fundraisers would know, and and my job now is to get the Americans to get to know the Cornerstone brand a little bit better. And the way I'm doing that is through mobile, as you've mentioned. I've always been interested in the overlap of online fundraising how organizations can use technology's tools to market to new segments, new donors, new dollars. You know, early on I saw that big charities, big organizations, they kind of turn into e-commerce companies at a certain point in time. But there was always a gap from my perspective between the tools that the companies were using and the tools that the charities were using. And part of what gets me excited is just trying to bridge that gap a little bit. And Cornerstone really helps that because a lot of their clients are are banks, insurance companies, credit card companies. They also deal with a lot of charities. And so what I get to do is kind of watch what they're doing with some of the financial institutions and then try to figure out a way to deliver that to some of the the nonprofit organizations that do a lot of online fundraising or have big online special events. Well, and and, uh, what's important about, I think, our topic today is while the article that I shared with you uh, states that, you know, less than 10% depends on what study you're looking at of all charitable gifts 
are coming online, do you want to be giving up 10% of your, your prospective base? And then when you look at organizations like the Environmental uh, Defense Fund, which is certainly not you know, an emergency sort of Red Cross kind of organization that's boosted their online fundraising from 200000 uh, in 2005 to $2.3 million today, um, you don't get there without serious strategy. That's exactly right. And if, and if you look at that article, one thing that caught my eye about the environmental defense team is that they were all from e-commerce companies. You know, they didn't grow up in the not-for-profit sector. And I love not-for-profit sector people, but they get stuck on which technology they're using, whether they're using this database or that database, who's doing their online pledge form. And I feel like part of what, uh, you know, part of what I like to do is just help them take a step back. It doesn't matter necessarily which online platform you're using. You can do better than you're doing today with some basic ideas. And that's kind of what I, I read in the environmental defense story. Ducks Unlimited, they've got over half of all of their online audience now coming through mobile devices. Now, so they're on the leading edge, but most of your listeners are going to see this sometime over 2014, 2015. And so I think the issue becomes now, okay, what can we do about it? Given that we've got these limited budgets, given that we don't have all the staff we need at these organizations, there's still some basic things that we can do to get better with online fundraising, in particular mobile fundraising. Well, I, I could not agree more. And as, as you know, uh, going back to our e-philanthropy days, I mean, it's been one of the big topics that you and I have been pushing is uh, this is more about basic fundraising. This is more about interacting people-to-people uh, -people fundraising than it is the technology. Not to say the technology is not a big part of it, but a lot of nonprofits do really get caught up on the technology. They may even sign up for or, or purchase some sort of service uh, and then go on expecting that somehow it's going to magically raise money for them as opposed to being part of an integrated solution. I, I completely agree. I think from my experience, most organizations have purchased more technology than they can use. And, you know, it, it, it's okay. It means that there's room to grow. But, but again, it kind of comes down to what I would consider kind of fundamental marketing and fundraising concepts. A, a good fundraiser can be a really good online fundraiser as long as they don't get tripped up and distracted by the, the kind of the gizmo speak. You know, the way, the way we like to kind of get into, you know, what version of Android are you running? Or, you know, it, yeah, sure, it's interesting, but at the end of the day, what I like to see are organizations where the online fundraising reports up into the head of fundraising or the head of marketing, not the head of technology. Right. So, that, so let's get into some of your strategies and some of the things that, that you think are really going to, uh, to make a difference uh, for, for nonprofits. So, so that's one of them is where does it fit? Where is it housed within an organization? Yep. It, it, it really does. I mean, you know, I guess I would start with, uh, you know, as you've kind of done, the current situation. You know, where, where are we sitting here in early 2014? Well, let's see. Facebook just bought WhatsApp for $19 billion. So then people either look at that and say, okay, they're nuts or they know something I don't know. And I would tend to bet on the latter. And so then as you start to unpeel that onion, you start to realize this is all about their mobile strategy. I mean, one of the people who's done great with mobile is Facebook. And the more we start to look at the data, and this is going to be hopefully a theme that you and I talk about is let the numbers speak for themselves in your organizations. Don't let a salesperson convince you to go one way or the other way. Develop your own benchmarks. You know, one of the best ways that I've learned to do this with, with nonprofit organizations is using Google Analytics. And I like Google Analytics for various reasons. Number one, because it's free. Number two, it's super easy to use, even for people who are not that deeply technical. 
But once organizations can start to at least develop their profile, start measuring what that profile looks like using Google Analytics for their website, you're going to start to see a bunch of things that become very interesting. And, and so Google Analytics becomes the, sort of the centerpiece for measuring whether or not you're making any difference. I like Google Analytics as one of the most important measurement tools because what I can do with Google Analytics is I can see the charity's online world. Now, it's not going to measure my offline stuff. And so as you've mentioned, you know, there's still a lot of offline donations coming through, and part, part of Cornerstone does direct mail, and they do it really well, and that's going to be around for a long time. But I think what we're, what we're looking at here and in this discussion is we're focusing on that growing segment of what I would call digital audience, digital engagement, people who are coming to these organizations through their Facebook pages, through their LinkedIn pages, through their websites. That's the part I get excited about because that's kind of the new and growing part. You know, if you look at the growth rates of our online audiences, they're growing massively, even for charities that haven't done a whole lot because they're being found and searched for through Google. So then I come back to saying, hey, let's all agree that we can look at this Google Analytics picture and agree where we were last year. You know, one thing I like to do is go in and say, you know, for those of you who've used Google Analytics, go up to the top right-hand corner, change that time frame, look at all of 2013, January 1st through December 31st, then compare it to all of 2012. So you're going to have two years of data right there if your Google Analytics has been turned on. Then you're going to start to see trends in your website audience, the way your audience is growing or shrinking or changing, where it's going in your website. And one of the big trends you're going to see is the growth of this mobile audience that we're talking about. Right, right. Well, and, and if, you, if you can't uh, measure it, then you can't set goals. Bingo. You so, can't set goals. And I think, I think one of the big goals, I like to talk about macro goals and micro goals. An organization should really only be measuring a handful of macro goals. So let's say so, online donations. So let me just ask you that's, this, this that's question. A macro, so, yeah. so do most charities try to measure too much? Well... Yeah, I guess I would say, my gut would say, yeah, they've tried to measure too much. Or, or you know, I've talked to the, to the ED or the head of fundraising, and I've said, have you been in your Google Analytics? Oh, well, yeah, it's just so overwhelming. You know, and I understand it can be. There's just so much data in there. But if, if, if you kind of take, again, a step back strategically, and you say, let's create some macro goals for our online fundraising efforts. We know one of those goals is going to be donations. So that's a macro goal. We know one of those goals is going to be email captures. We, we think one of those goals is going to be audience numbers, right? The number of people who visit any of our web properties, including Facebook, including LinkedIn. So we start to kind of agree with the leadership team what the goals are, because I agree with you, unless we can actually measure and then articulate the goals, really we're shooting around. You know, we're shooting from the hip. We're chasing the next shiny thing. We're going to chase Instagram. We're going to chase Snapchat. We're going to chase, like, there's a never-ending stream of interesting technologies that flow down the path. So unless we've got our goals clear, we're at risk of, of wasting some of these limited resources. We're going to take a quick break, um, Philip, and what we're going to do when we come back is uh, people do have access to the PowerPoint that, uh, that you have put together, um, and that's available on the radio links today. People can uh, download that. I think there's so much important information there. I'm going to ask you to, um, you know, to go through as much of that as you want to. I'm going to let you, you know, sort of have that time yourself, uh, but we do want to make sure that people have the, uh, uh, the opportunity to benefit from, uh, from that information. So if that's all right with you, we'll be right back from this break.
really fascinating discussion today with Philip King on mobile and online fundraising. Next week, mark your calendars. Believe it or not, it is our big fourth anniversary show here of the Nonprofit Coach. We've got a big lineup for you. Uh, don't miss it. We're going to be here at 12 noon Eastern on March 11th for our fourth anniversary show. Uh, following that, we're actually going to be coming to you live from the floor of the Grants Managers Network Conference in San Diego. Uh, that's going to be live on March 18th. So make sure that uh, you are marking your calendars. And, of course, the updates are always posted on our Twitter. Uh, that's at Ted Hart uh, and uh, in our newsletter, which you can uh, sign up for at tedhart.com. Uh, uh, with that, we're going to head back over to Philip King, who's got a lot more information for us. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And we're back here live with uh, Philip King. Phil, before you get into your presentation, we do uh, have an email question uh, from uh, Jane uh, in Phoenix. And she's um, asking for more specifics on the kinds of goals that a nonprofit should be setting. Are you going well, to be covering that right. in the presentation? Do you want to get into the presentation, or is that no, no, no? Let me answer. Let me answer Jane's okay. question. I mean, you know, again, let me qualify by saying we were, t- we were talking about online here, and so inside of that online, I like to think of your website as a funnel, and I think we'll kind of get into this idea of a funnel uh, a little bit more. But think of your website as a funnel. Think of your whole online audience as a funnel. And one of the key metrics I want to measure for you is your conversion rate. Now you're going to say conversion rate of what? Well, the first thing would be donations, okay? So let's look at the donations conversion rate. Most charity websites that have done a pretty good job are going to still have low single-digit conversion rates unless there's a disaster and unless there's a major special event going on, in which case we can see conversion rates in the high single digits, 9 10%. But that would be a very high conversion rate. So one of the first that, things I'd like you to but Phil, that's important to what you just said in terms of setting realistic expectation, in terms of understanding, um, if you've never seen them before, what are sort of industry standards. Absolutely. And, and, and one of the things that I would encourage your audience to do is, yes, benchmark other charities. Look, look at the stats and the presentations, Ted, that you put on, that I put on. But one of the main things you can do is benchmark yourself first. Measure what your conversion rate was last year. Make sure you know what that number is. Make sure your team knows what that number is. So you guys can talk about the fact that, yeah, last year we had a, a 0.75 conversion rate for donations on our website, and everybody knows what that means. And this year, we're going to get that up to 1%. Because really, you've got to start with where you are now. So, you know, back so to the Jane's stronger question. Message- that would be- is is benchmark against yourself don't necessarily drive yourself crazy with what others are doing who may have three four five years ahead of you uh, exactly i mean look one of the best things i think any organization can do is, is is develop your own baseline for last year for 2013 what was your conversion rate of your website what was your audience number look like what was your percent mobile uh, how many emails were left on your website last year? Come up with the basic things that would in, indicate engagement. You know, as, as you've talked about a lot, Ted, this is a journey. You know, once you, once you get someone on your website, your Facebook page, your, your LinkedIn page, you're not necessarily going to ask them for a gift right away, unless it's a, unless it's a special event. But in most cases, you're going to develop a relationship over time. And as that study showed, you, you don't want to let a lot of time go by. You want to make sure in the first 30 days of that honeymoon period, you're communicating to them. 
you're developing this, this story that gets them understanding why you need funds. But um, what you are trying to do is see this as an ongoing journey with a person. You want them to come back to your website. You want them to revisit. You want them ideally to become a committed donor giving monthly through their credit card. I mean, these are all goals that we have, but we can't achieve them right off. But what we can do tomorrow, next week, is we can develop a, a baseline of what happened on our website last year. I, I think that that's a, that's a good start. I hope, Jane, that, uh, that helps get you at least moving that ball down the, the field. Um, so uh, you've got your presentation, um, and there's a lot of good information. Do you want to just work through that? People do have access to it. Well, sure. And then, Ted, just kind of you know, interrupt. I'll start going a little bit, but interrupt with things that you think are on the audience's minds. I mean, you know, Jane already got me into this one area of saying, think of your website as a funnel. Understand what the conversion rate of your funnel is and try to start measuring where the leaks of your funnel are. So with any, with any website, you're going to come up with your conversion rate and you're going to start looking at where the leaks are. Now, how are you going to figure out where the leaks are? Well, again, tools like Google Analytics help you figure out where your leaks are. So before you start spending a lot of money driving all this audience to your website, make sure it's not a leaky funnel because you're going to waste a lot of money. You could spend a lot of money on paid search. You could spend a lot of money on your Facebook strategy, and you're driving all this traffic to a funnel that just leaks them right out. So don't do that. Make sure your funnel's working well first. Then once you get some confidence that you've got a good funnel, you're converting a good portion of your website visitors to donors, of your mobile website visitors to mobile donors, of your Facebook page, you know, visitors to likes, you know, then start driving. Then you've got some confidence to start driving traffic to it. One of the things I find as we talk about mobile, because I know that's an important topic, and it kind of gets us into this analytics, is that I think many organizations I talk to will say to me, hey, Philip, we tried mobile last year, and it just didn't work. And right there, I know what they're talking about. They're talking about text. And I would say, and I think I'm making the assumption that most of this audience is a North American audience, Text is only one flavor of mobile. And one thing I would encourage everybody to think about is like a three-legged stool. Text is part of your mobile strategy. So is an app strategy. But the basic thing for most organizations should be what I'll call mobile web. Right now when you send out emails, people are reading those emails on their iPhones. And when they click on a link on their iPhone, they're going back to your website. Whatever it looks like, they're going back, wherever that link has them. That's your mobile web. And that's generally before the text and before the mobile app stuff, I would have everybody focus on their mobile web. And one easy activity that you can do with your leadership, with your marketing team, with your fundraising team, go through your own website. Read your own emails only using an iPhone. And the reason I say iPhone, I'll get into it a little bit later in terms of the stats that we're seeing. But use an iPhone. Go through your website. Go through an email. Go through a donation sequence. See how that feels to you. And if it doesn't feel good, see what you can do about it. But that's, that's a place to start is just understanding that you know, that user experience is what we're interested in. And our ideal is, you know, you've listed some charities in the U.S. that are doing a great job, Ducks Unlimited and, uh, and others. Go, go through those organizations, but maybe even more importantly, go to some of the biggest e-commerce companies that you do, that you do business with and see how they feel. Go, go buy a book on Amazon. Go look at eBay on your mobile device and see how that feels. That's what because we should be even, using Even though benchmark. nonprofits don't feel that they're in competition with those big um, online uh, providers, they are because their donors um, have the expectation that websites are going to uh, work in similar ways and that they're going to be able to utilize the information on a website in similar ways. 
I, I couldn't agree with you more, Ted. I mean, the expectations that are created when I have a good experience with Amazon.com translate directly into the next email I read. And if that email is from your charity, boy, you know, it better be pretty good. Now, I, I, you know, I'm going to give some credit to the fact that this is a, is a charitable organization, but you, you know, don't make me crawl through glass to make a donation on my mobile device. Because and if you do, I'll probably abandon it. I, I might do it once, might, I say might, but I probably won't do it again. Exactly. I probably won't do it again. I mean, the, the, uh, the other mistake I find many organizations make is they assume mobile is just the kids, and it's not. I mean, one of the things I show in the presentation is how mobile audiences have changed just in the last 12 months. And uh, everyone, everyone is pretty mobile now. And there's this whole tablet segment of the mobile audience, which tends to have a higher than average age demographic compared to your desktop audience on your website. So these are the silver surfers. They've got time. They bought the tablet because they can't see the font size on the, on the iPhone. So here they are surfing. They tend to be in these lean-back positions, the studies show, when they're on their tablet, or lying in bed watching Netflix. or you know, They're in entertainment mode. So these are all things that we can keep in mind as online marketers. We're not going to have the budgets. We're not going to have the team that, that the e-commerce companies are going to have. But what we sure can do is piggyback on their research. We can sure understand how they have different experiences for different devices. Right. Um, okay. Now, Philip, you, you you hear this, and I hear this as well. Uh, so, quote: We tried mobile, and it didn't work. Um, okay. Yeah. So, what's the answer to that? Well, I, I don't think you. I think you tried one flavor of mobile. I think many people probably tried text to give, and it didn't work. And uh, I, you know, so I would say, listen, if you want and, to try mobile that where again, most nonprofits um, heads are still at that. That it's really the text to give the you know the give five give ten dollars and that's not really what you're talking about that that's not the kind no. of robust strategy that you're talking about. No 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 I I know a bunch of very smart people who are involved in the text to give let's call it industry and I think there's a role for it but I don't think it's the first place to start I think it's particularly suited to maybe face to face programs it's maybe particularly suited to disaster, you know, even some of those organizations that were questioning their, their text-to-give strategies. The UK is big on it. You know, they really do a lot of, they call them charitable muggers, the people standing in the street. They try to get the mobile device for a monthly gift, but the drop-off rates are huge on those monthly gifts. So I would say, you know what, put that one on to the side for now. Focus on your mobile website. Go read your emails on your iPhone. Make sure your emails look good. Make sure your website looks good on an iPhone. Make sure your donation form performs well. That's going mobile in 2014 to me, and I think that'll really result in a good ROI for you. Okay. All right. So where do we go next? Well, let's talk about mobile a little bit more. I mean, you know, I have in my presentation that I've seen mobile gifts of $2,500. Well, just before the phone call, I looked. Well, I'm, I'm working on a client in Australia, and again, they're pretty big, so not everybody can do what they're doing. They're a big special event client, and one of the things I like about working with Australian clients is they kind of give us a little leading indicator to what our, our fundraising season is going to look like here because it's summertime there. So they're outside. They're doing their runs, walks, shaves, all these things. And one thing that has been very clear in their data is the shift to mobile has been massive. They're, they're very worried that their overall web audience is declining. And so we came in to help them understand that a little bit better. What's happening is it's true. They're, what we've done is divided their audience into three categories, desktop, mobile, and tablet. Their desktop audience is declining, there's no question. And there's, there's 
some things we can do about it. If we have time, we'll get back to that. But I think most of your audience could see this trend in their own data. Their tablet audience is remaining pretty much even from where it was last year. So a lot more than it used to be, but it's not growing massively. Their mobile phone audience is growing massively. Now, the challenge is the mobile phone audience performs very differently than the other two audiences. Time on sites, way lower. Average pages viewed per session, way lower. Uh, bounce rate, which is the rate at which you kind of see a page and leap, much higher. So engaging, let's say, me on my mobile device is twice as hard than engaging me back in the good old days when I was visiting you on my laptop. So let's just be aware of this. Now, I got onto this thing, average gift. So I looked at, at top gifts that were given on mobile devices. There was a gift that was $3,500 on a mobile device. Now, that's Australian, so that converts to about 3300 U.S., but that's still a nice gift. There was a 2,500 tablet gift that I saw, just kind of looking through the data. So there's no reason to believe that just because someone is on their smartphone does not mean they can't give us a big gift. Right. The question and now that, becomes, doesn't, it, doesn't it have a relationship also to you've got to get started because there's a maturity factor to your own program. In other words, you don't just put a, a site really well designed uh, you know, up, up that, uh, and then just expect money to become flowing in. It's part of an overall relationship. So while you could get surprised with a large gift you know, in the first week of starting your, your mobile service, um, it's a maturing of your relationship with your donor base that those are going to come in time. It could. It, it, you're, you're absolutely right because, you know, as you and I have said, if you build it, it doesn't mean they'll come, but you want to make sure you're ready if they're ready to give you a $3,500 gift on their iPhone. Exactly. Like, I want to make sure I don't miss that gift. And right. one of the things that, that I like to look at is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, 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 we've got responsive. Responsive is this new word in the mobile industry saying basically your website's going to shift based on what device I use. Okay, maybe. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's not. With responsive, I'm not, necess I'm not convinced that our mobile audience should be treated the same way as our desktop audience. And I'll tell you a few reasons why. One, with Google Analytics now, what we can start to do is look at demographic and interest data of the, of the users in aggregate. I can't boil down and say that's Ted Hart and here's his LinkedIn page. But what I can say is based on his double-click cookie, which is just a marketing cookie, I know whether he's a male or female. I know what he's interested in. I know what his age range is based on other websites he visits. When I run, when I run the analysis of your mobile audience versus your desktop audience, it is much younger. There's no question it's much younger. If I look at your tablet audience, it's much older. So I would like to be able to talk differently to these different audiences. I would also like to be able to present different payment options, if possible, to these different audiences. I'd like to be able to check out that smartphone much faster than that desktop because my, my abandon rates are going to be much higher. So I might think about using things like PayPal or Google Wallet or some of these stored credit card systems that I might not worry so much about on my desktop. So, right. so, whereas so where I, I advise one, that those are yeah. not robust services for your desktop, they probably make yeah. a lot more sense because your, your smartphone audience may already be signed in. It literally is click to give at that point because you've reduced the, the chance of abandonment. That's it. And, and if they and have to get the credit the, card the, out and they have to do all that on their smartphone, that's for a lot of donors a bridge too far. Well, we've all had that experience, haven't we? I mean, I, let me talk to about my own experience. I've had that experience when I've had to pull out my Visa card while I'm holding my smartphone. Well, what do I do? I prop it up against something where I'm, you know, I'm trying to pop this thing in with my thumbs. It's not fun. 
And so part of what I'm trying to do is just think about, just think a little bit openly about what could it feel like. Well, it could feel like Amazon. It could feel like eBay. It could feel like any of these big sites. What would it take to do that? Maybe too much for the organization, but what I would recommend is testing. I mean, one of the, you know, when we go back to that article you started with, I think we skipped over some of the basics because we got so excited about the tools. You know, we got so excited about Facebook. We got so excited about this, that, the other. Well, okay, testing is one thing that we can do online that we had a harder time doing offline. Sure, we did A-B testing and direct mail. It was expensive. It was hard to do. Now with online, testing is much less expensive. Even the smallest organizations can test ideas. So as the teams are sitting around deciding, well, should we try this, should we try that, my recommendation would be, well, why don't you test it? If, if, why don't you test a new payment method on your mobile donation form, and let's see if it works. If it doesn't, take it away. Don't get committed to any big technology right now with this stuff. Test these things. Use your own Google Analytics data to tell you, did it work, did it not? It's very inexpensive to make mistakes online. Right. Well, and, and in this art, again, going back to this article, but how surprised, I'm just wondering, how surprised were you in this particular study to find that 84% of nonprofits, including many of the U.S.'s largest charities, have not yet made their donation websites uh, mobile ready? I, I, mean, that, that's, I, I mean, I would expect the number to be fairly high, but does 84% surprise you? Yeah, it sounds kind of high. I mean, I think if they had done the study in uh, the UK, it would have been lower. They've been, they've been kind of more mobile than we have been for a while. And so I like to benchmark, if I'm looking at charities, I, look at, I like to look at UK charities. I, lo- I like to look at Comic Relief. I like to look at you know, some of the nice UK charities that have spent some time with, and they've got some big teams over there. I like to look at Macmillan Cancer Research. US, 83%, that seems kind of high, you know. I think maybe their filters for what's acceptable on mobile might be very tight, which is okay. But again, there's nothing better than just doing it yourself. Go through, how did it feel? If it felt okay, you think you're ready, that's good. If, if not, you know, that's where you need to start looking at what are some alternatives for you. Right. One, so one stat is, that I like. But is, is, is it sort of when you drill down into this, is this uh, a, a sector now where you and I, you know, very early on, we're talking about website design, website strategy, um, and nonprofits were very far behind uh, in getting up to speed. And unfortunately, there's still a segment of the nonprofit sector uh, today that are still behind in their web strategy. Uh, but is, is this, are, are the, the two trend lines um, moving past each other now? In other words, the, the technology is getting even sharper. The number of people utilizing mobile is growing every day. Um, and nonprofits are not getting this message. Yes, absolutely. This, this is very similar to what you and I were watching 10 years ago. I mean, th- this, this shift to mobile, I think, is a, is a fundamental shift. I mean, there, there, are, there are stats that I'm tracking in terms of, again, I like to look at these e-commerce providers. So if I look at places like Facebook, 20% of Facebook's audience is what, what's called mobile only. That means they don't ever go on Facebook on their desktop. Um, 30% of eBay's audience is mobile only. Uh, you know, 30% of, of uh, Amazon's audience is mobile only. So it wouldn't even, there will be uh, wouldn't even occur to these companies to even be thinking uh, about digital um, without mobile being a big part of that. But for 84% of nonprofits, maybe you go to my website, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but I'm not even thinking about it. 
mobile is an afterthought. And for, for many of these companies, they have, they have adopted this concept of mobile first. And the reason I like mobile first for charities is it certainly makes them think about mobile. It's like, well, okay, mobile first. We've got to look at mobile first. Mobile first implies lots of things. Mobile first implies that that checkout is going to be rapid. Because we know, again, back to what I was saying in terms of the, the user behavior on an iPhone, you don't have a lot of time to make, your, to make your pitch. You don't have a lot of time to close that donation. Boy, I'd like to bring that rigor back to the, back to the desktop. And so if I design that website with a mobile first strategy for the iPhone, I can expand it to the desktop and it'll perform really well. It's, it's meant to load fast. It's meant to convert fast. So I would Is encourage many organizations to promote for all, all charities, because I'm just wondering if you know, a lot of my audience today is, is thinking about this and they're saying, well, well great, I've already invested you know, in databases and websites and everything else. I'm still not seeing the payoff there. Now I have to invest in mobile. Am I ever going to see the payoff there? Is part of the, the technology uh, efficiency uh, is to think of mobile first in your, rather than afterthought? Do you, do you potentially save money there? I think you do save money, and I would, I would uh, encourage your audience to say, I'm not actually saying run out and buy a new piece of technology. I'm really, what I'm really saying is, if any piece of technology I'd use today is get your Google Analytics working. You know, make sure that someone has got that code installed on your web pages and you're starting to measure what that Google Analytics tells you. So that's the one tool I've talked about. Mobile first can be an attitude of conversion. It can be an attitude to say, Let's, in our organization, just sit with the tools that we bought last year for another few years. We're not going to buy any new tools right now. What we're going to do is we're going to really try to squeeze the conversion rate out of the tools that we have right now. We're going to think about what the mobile audience sees and feels, and we're going to try to translate that back to the desktop and tablet audiences. Because by doing that, my, my hypothesis is, is that your conversion rates will go up. So your return on investment for that technology you bought will increase. I, th I think that is a, a, an important distinction, don't you, in, in terms of helping my audience today make sense of this message and not be part of the yes, 84%? I do. Yeah, yes, I do. And I, I would also encourage the audience to say, listen, you know, what I'm talking about really when I talk about mobile, more broadly I'm talking about analytics. Use analytics to drive decisions for your website, for your marketing spend. Nobody has enough money to spend on marketing next year. So when we're measuring our marketing, we can start to see, well, what, what sources of traffic drove people to my website? Who actually donated? These are all right. things that you, by using things like Google Analytics, don't just drive traffic to my website. Drive converting traffic. And more well, specifically, let's talk, drive about, let's talk about the spend. Let's talk about is there a mm -hmm. role for paid advertising for nonprofits? Oh, yeah. I mean, look. Paid advertising is one of those best-kept secrets. If you look at most organizations who are an e-commerce company, paid advertising is a significant portion of their marketing spend each year, and it's simply because it works. What I would say to anyone is definitely maximize their Google Grants. Get into paid advertising through Google Grants. But you should also experiment with paid advertising because it will drive traffic that will convert if you do it well. And there are very few things where you can actually spend money and drive traffic that's guaranteed to at some point convert than paid. The other area that, that you know, I kind of reluctantly advise people to really look at this year is their Facebook strategy. I thought Facebook was a bit of a distraction for some groups a couple of years ago. As I look at their mobile traffic, I am amazed how much of the mobile traffic to charities websites that I'm working with comes from Facebook, and more specifically, m.facebook.com. 
So I think most organizations should definitely think about And again, test spending money on paid advertising and test spending time and resources on your Facebook presence. Philip, we're going to take just a break. You brought up uh, Google Grants. This is an opportunity uh, for us just to remind our listeners today uh, about the Google for Nonprofits program, and we'll be right back. Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help, volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call to action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization, such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today. And we're back with uh, Philip King. I thought that uh, would be a, a helpful reminder to some of the topics that you're raising. Boy, it would almost, it would almost seem that you and I had planned that ad, Ted. <laughs> so, so I'm not, by the way, just for, just for the audience's sake, I don't receive any money from Google. I just, I'm a big fan of their tools, particularly for charities, because they are free. And because Google kind of owns the web. And, I mean, Facebook's making a nice play in the mobile web. But for now, Google kind of owns the web. So make sure you're looking at how traffic arrives at your website. I guarantee you, after direct traffic where they kind of know your URL, it's going to be an organic search through Google. And then for organizations that I'm working with that do paid, paid's up there. It's in the top five consistently in terms of ways to drive traffic to a website that actually converts into a donation or an email. Right. Now, let's not, let's not lose sight of traditional um, because part of the message here for overall success is how these tools integrate with traditional. Yes. Traditional is an important part of the company I work for. I mean, the, um, you know, they, have, they have helped clients in their direct mail in traditional channels for a long time, very effectively. And as we all know, response rates are going down on direct mail, but they still, they're still there. And we know that there is a way to reach these, um, these people in a unique way. It's a, high, it's, kind of a, it's a high brand interaction. One thing I'm seeing a lot of is the interplay between QR codes and direct mail. And QR codes are the kind of weird squiggly you see that people can scan with their phones. We've done some tests, and we have found that QR codes on, um, on, a, on a surface that's going to be kind of flat, like, like a piece of mail, 
does get a nice scan rate. If you put it on a poster and then put the poster up, I, we don't see a lot of scans from those, but QR codes are starting to kind of pick up again in the mail. I know that in Australia, Australian Post, you know, which is like the United States Post Office, they've got this new QR code scheme where people can scan the QR code on their stamp and get a little video. So I think we're starting to see creative ways to use this mobile migration and integrate it with traditional channels like direct mail. Yeah, I, I really I could not agree with you more in, in terms of – and I, I think for a lot of uh, our listeners today, um, that's a real quandary because uh, they, they look at, okay, less than 10% are going to come through online. But, but I think that's a bit of a misnomer because that's direct line money that's been raised. But I think when you take a look at the offline gifts that are inspired and supported by mobile and online, I think that you're talking about a much bigger segment of fundraising. I, I agree. I mean, l let, me, let me pick on this big client I'm working with in Australia, and I've just run their Google Analytics report from January 1st of this year to yesterday. Online, they have brought in over $4 million. And yes, they're bringing in money offline too, but for the organizations that do it well, online is core and central. And for, for most organizations I meet, they're trying to find new dollars and new donors. Online is a great way for them to do that because they, they do need to continue to appeal to uh, uh, you know, a younger audience. They do need to kind of train some of these young people to, to, to know their organization, to know their brand. If they're not online, they are invisible to these young people. If they're not on mobile, they're invisible. If they think they can email these people, these, you know, you, you've, you've seen the studies too, the younger demographic, they are not going to read your email. So no, they're not. it does provide challenges. But it, not to say, and, and we don't want to send the message that email is dead because it's not anymore. No. Direct mail is dead. But but we're talking yeah. about a bigger integration of all of these uh, strategies. But but I think that part of um, the the issue here for a lot of nonprofits um, is where all of this fits and how do I allocate the appropriate amount of time and resources. So do you have sort of a balance? Uh, a, a cheat sheet, if you will, on how do I balance all these so that I'm building the capacity of my organization to succeed today and in the future without being left behind? Yeah, I mean, what I would recommend is just on a piece of paper, like an eight and a half, you know, just a regular piece of paper, come up with kind of a, a, a marketing spend plan. Now, I tend to work in digital, right? So, so let me talk about digital. You could do this more broadly. There are lots of people who, who think more broadly about the overall organization. But let's talk about digital for a second. What I would like to see on this piece of paper would be my channels, okay? So I'm going to talk about my desktop users, my mobile users. I'm going to talk about Facebook. I'm going to kind of list them down the side. Then I'm going to talk about traffic in the column, first column. How much traffic is going to be generated by these channels? And then in the, in the next column, column two, what's, what's the conversion rate? And I'd like to talk about donations. I always like to focus this conversation to say each of these channels should be responsible for a certain number of donations and a certain amount of traffic to generate those donations. And then manage the team around that piece of paper. Measure along the way to say, boy, you're, you're going to get it wrong. Where did we get it wrong? Where did, where did traffic come in that we weren't anticipating? And that way, just rinse and repeat, do over, do over. But what we're doing is we're, we're having plans, we're using data and analytics to measure, and we're spending money more efficiently. And that's what I get excited about for charitable organizations, knowing that they have very limited budgets with 
digital marketing, we have a lot of information to allow us to spend very efficiently that we didn't have offline. Right. Yeah, and, and, and as, you, as you've said several times, you can measure more so you know um, where you're going right and where you're going wrong. The ability to A-B test is, is much easier. So even, even if your spend is similar, you know more of what's going on on a daily basis than you do through direct mail. You know the famous marketing quote, and I always forget who said it, but I know I waste half of my money on, on my marketing budget. I just don't know which half. Which half, right, so, exactly. I just don't know which half. So with, with online marketing, you do know. You do know. You do know who gets credit for the traffic. You do know how much your Facebook audience generates to your website. You know how many donations came from a referral from Facebook, how many came from a referral from mobile Facebook, how many came from your Google organic searches, how many came from your paid searches. We can tell you with precision what these numbers are. Then the organization can decide what to do about that. So, Philip, we're, uh, we've got exactly uh, just less than five minutes now, four and a half minutes left. Can you summarize where we've been today and also make sure that my guests know how to reach you? Yes. And first of all, Ted, thanks a lot for having me on the show. I'm very grateful that you, that you asked me because um, it is a topic I, I love. Um, so where have we been today? We, we, we've, we've basically used mobile as the bait. You know, mobile's the bait. It's happening. It's depressing our response rates. We don't quite know. But it's the, it's the debate for a conversation around analytics. So what I hope will happen is that many organizations will either dust off their Google Analytics, get it running again, ask the people who are in church to run some reports for the last two years. That's where I'd like the conversation to go is to say, Data can be very powerful in your organizations to help you find and keep new donors. What you need to do is make sure you're using what you've got today. You don't need to go out and buy a new piece of technology. You need to use what you've got today to become better analysts of that data. And, and by being better analysts, you'll spend your limited resources more efficiently. And that's kind of what we're all interested in doing is how do we squeeze the juice out of that lemon? You know, that's what we have to do as nonprofits. And I think many times it forces us to become more creative than our commercial counterparts because we have very limited budgets. So that's, that's kind of where we've been today. In terms of reaching me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter at philipkingiv. Uh, you can also find my company at seastonecompanies.com. And... Um, you can find this podcast. I'm sure you'll have this recorded somewhere. Right. This uh, podcast will be available at the same link that you use today uh, to listen to the show live. will be available 30 minutes after uh, the show. And all podcasts of uh, Ted Hart are available at tedhart.com. So, uh, Philip, I can't thank you enough. Very thought-provoking, but also, as usual, you bring very practical advice, not pie in the sky in a future state when you've got lots of money, but start where you are. Don't lose this opportunity to not only succeed today, but more importantly, to build the capacity of your organization to compete in an increasingly digital world uh, in the future. And I think that's really the big message today. Absolutely. And Ted, I forgot to leave my email address. That's one way. Oh, Philip.king at seastonecompanies.com. So you can also reach me that way. That's terrific. And uh, Philip, next week uh, here on The Nonprofit Coach, uh, March 11th is our big four-year anniversary. Uh, so we'll have our, our big celebration here on The Nonprofit Coach. And uh, I hope uh, all of our listeners will plan on joining us next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern. Congratulations on that. 
You bet. Thank you so much, everyone. We will catch you next week. This has been Ted Hart and Philip King here live on The Nonprofit Coach. You've been listening to The Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to The Nonprofit Coach. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.